welcome to the latest episode of the Is It Me series, where today we're talking about the issue of boundaries. Once again, I'm joined by Linda Barnes, Group Administrator of Debbie Merz's online support group, Healing After Experiencing Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissism. Welcome back, Linda. Hi, Linda. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back and to be discussing another issue that is um, really very important. And yet it's greatly misunderstood at times. It is, isn't it? But on the face of it, this does sound like a really simple thing. I think that most people understand what personal boundaries are. So what is it about them that people find so difficult, Linda? Well, yeah, I mean, it does sound simple. But it's one of those things that's really actually multifaceted and dependent on so many factors to do with our own development, our beliefs and our understanding. And most fundamentally, how we view ourselves in the first place. Probably the first thing to realise here is that lots of people don't ever stop to think about personal boundaries at all, unless and until some quite serious issues have arisen that bring it then to the fore. Also, it's not uncommon to think that we have some quite strong personal boundaries without realising just how they've been so insidiously eroded over the course of a relationship, uh, that they actually no longer exist at all. So are you saying that lots of people just don't really consider them properly in the first place, Linda? Yes, that's right. That is quite often the case. And lots of this goes back to how we were brought up and what we were taught about how good people behave about how we as children should behave and what having um, good manners, etc., looks like. We take all those lessons with us as we grow and mature into adulthood. So these early lessons really shape how we view ourselves in the world and our own specific role in it. Yes, of course. So in essence, our understanding of boundaries and presumably lots of other things depends on the messages we receive as children about how the world and relationships work then. Absolutely, yes, and how we fit in it. That's exactly right. If we're given a balanced understanding of these things as we're growing, then we're much much more likely to have a balanced outlook as an adult. If what we're taught or what we see, in other words, our environmental exposure, early on in life is skewed, or it might be lacking important information, then that will have a direct bearing on how we view these things later in life. In that way, then, how we think about things and presumably who we then go on to think we are as a person is largely based on these experiences and teachings. Indeed, and that impacts all aspects of our development and understanding. Who we believe ourselves to be takes shape during these interactions. So if we're just to look at boundaries in this context... For example, how we even decide what appropriate boundaries might look like for us in the first place. Then our thinking about this is determined by these messages, which also shape how we view ourselves. If these messages are flawed or in some way incomplete, we go on to base our perceptions around them also based on flawed or incomplete thoughts. So we sometimes set off on entirely the wrong foot here. So could you give us an example of how someone might have developed a less than healthy understanding of boundaries, Linda? Well, yes. Um, Let's take a look at a child that perhaps grew up in a, a dysfunctional family environment that, for that reason, left them feeling unseen and unheard. Invisible, if you like. 
Problems with the parents' relationship and financial issues perhaps meant that that child was not prioritised. Maybe they weren't nurtured and were seen more of a problem and just another mouth to feed than anything else. Often, if we experience this kind of upbringing, we might have issues around self-worth. And in our bid to be seen, we may develop people-pleasing tendencies amongst many other things. So in this kind of scenario, we're left with a person who probably didn't develop boundaries at all. Because boundaries were getting in the way of their seeking the love and attention that they so desperately sought as a child. Yes, they wouldn't even be thinking about boundaries, would they? No, not at all. It'd be one of the last things they'd be thinking about. This kind of backdrop doesn't encourage much thought about boundaries, if any. Because if we're struggling with our own sense of self-worth, which, not knowing any different at the time either, feels absolutely normal to us, then it might be easier to understand that we may not feel that we deserve boundaries at all. The focus is much more on keeping the people around us happy so that we might feel a little safer and also so that there's there's a chance that we might be seen now and then. When those are the things we crave as a child, we don't honour our own thoughts and needs because we perceive them as being unwelcome and of getting in the way of the very real need of our parents' attention. So instead we acquiesce and develop an aversion to ever saying no to anything as we'd see that as counterproductive to our primary need at that time. None of that is at all conducive to understanding and developing any type of personal boundaries. Yes, the boundaries are seen as something that bring trouble rather than being something that protect you. So in those circumstances, it's probably seen as easier not to have any, is it? Well, that's right, yeah. You know, this obviously goes on to appear in adult relationships too as it's what we've known as our norm. Obviously, though, that's a really unhealthy childhood environment, and so many of the messages taken from it are negative and unhealthy too. When your needs aren't met, or if maybe you're punished for trying to develop uh, one or two of your own personal boundaries, and when you're also diminished and perhaps accused as not knowing your place or being selfish, etc. too, whenever you do try to establish a boundary, These things completely skew a child's view of who they are and where they sit in the world. And these are messages and learnings that are carried with us throughout life. They actually become imprinted on us, even though they don't actually belong to us at all. Ultimately, if we feel unworthy of love, respect and attention ourselves, then boundaries whose purpose is to protect us from those who don't love and respect us or see our worth become absolutely redundant because we can't see and therefore don't respect those things in ourselves either. It all starts with us and how we view ourselves. How might this develop in a child's development that wasn't considered to be abusive? Well, that's another thing, because we so often don't realise just how abusive or lacking some of our upbringings actually were until we revisit, revisit them many time, many years later, often following abusive adult relationships. But that's another story. But yes, there can be difficulties in our understanding of boundaries, purely because perhaps it's a generational family issue, where maybe our own parents were never taught about healthy boundaries. And so, of course, they couldn't then pass on healthy behaviours around them themselves. It often happens where parents 
genuinely do try to do the best to teach children good manners, etc. For example, always reinforcing how that child um, should forever open doors for any elders um, or should always uh, walk through last. Maybe saying they should sit and not move when visiting other people's homes or they shouldn't speak until spoken to. It may not be intentional, but if these things are overdone, without that child ever being told that they too, they too have value and importance and that they shouldn't always be at the back of the queue, then they can easily grow up believing that this is their role and their place in life. So what we're saying really is, without balanced messages that go on to tell and show the child that there are times too when they take priority over others, they're very likely to struggle developing a healthy sense of their own self-worth. And it follows then that they'll also struggle with boundaries, instead feeling like they don't apply to them as they're always considered somehow less than people around them. That's really difficult then, isn't it? Because it could just be that lack of thought by parents as much as anything else. Well, that's right. And, you know, and I think it's only fair and right that we do have to accept to some degree that, you know, no one's perfect. And that applies to parents as well as everyone else. They were once children too, and lots of people genuinely just do the best, whilst not understanding many of the implications of the parenting style, or that perhaps they themselves have issues too. This is why lots of these issues are generational. We too carry our learning forward, be that learning good or bad. For many people though, pretty much the only lessons they had about personal boundaries as a child were about how to keep themselves safe from seemingly bad people. In these circumstances, children are taught that it's okay to say no, even to adults, especially when these adults are strangers trying to get them to do something that doesn't feel good. Certainly, that's the only thing I ever remember about about it uh, being okay for me to say no as a child to anyone. Aside from that, there was a very clear lesson of always being respectful and of doing as I was told and what was expected of me. That was a sum total of my learning about boundaries. But this can also leave us with a subconscious impression that boundaries are only needed around bad or dangerous people. And as we would always consider our families, friends and loved ones to be good and safe, particularly as we're growing, um, until we might obviously later learn otherwise, then appropriate boundaries can again very much fall by the wayside in these closest relationships, where we might argue actually that this is where they're needed the most. So really then, lots of people arrive as adults in various relationships not having a healthy understanding of personal boundaries as they apply to them. Absolutely. And also, not knowing that they don't know that either. <laughs> in these cases too, it's often something of a double whammy because while they don't know that there's an issue with their own boundaries they are super aware of being respectful to others and of always expecting their boundaries whatever they may be so this can really set us up to continue to disrespect ourselves almost in preference of looking after the wants needs and demands of others and we do this very much at our own expense there are those amongst us who really don't know either that they can't that they can even say no. And if they do know that, then there are many of us 
that find it so difficult and we just don't really know how to say it. So Linda, this must be uh, such a bad combination uh, for relationships with those with narcissistic tendencies. Is that is that correct? Oh yes, absolutely. It, it results in, in a match made in heaven for a narcissist, but equally a match made in hell for someone with little to no boundaries. These very quickly turn into incredibly one-sided relationships where one person constantly takes and the other is already preconditioned to constantly give. With no effective boundaries, there's no limit to this at all. And narcissists have no respect whatsoever for other people's personal boundaries. Whilst perversely, uh, their own boundaries are incredibly rigid (laughs) when it comes to them. They feel totally entitled to act, say and do whatever they want where other people are concerned and become extremely offended and upset at the merest hint of being expected to observe a boundary of someone else's. However, when it comes to them, you're expected to unwaveringly respect every boundary, and there will be many. And that goes on until the end of time. Is this uh, why we hear it said that narcissistic people target those with no boundaries? Well, it's certainly much more attractive to them to be presented with someone who who has issues uh, with saying no, for example. I mean, that's for sure. Problematic people, as they would see it, would be much more resistant to the whole range of control and manipulation tactics they have at their disposal. So if they do come up against very strong boundaries, and more importantly, boundaries that are are enforced, then there's a good chance that the relationship will hit problems sooner rather than later. Someone with healthy boundaries, who then goes on to enforce them, will much more likely end the relationship themselves, realising at some point that there's a significant misalignment there. There's also those narcissists, though, that do gain supply from whittling down a person's strong boundaries too. Because if they're successful in that, it results in a huge amount of supply for them. So this takes us to the other really important part of this. There is absolutely no point whatsoever in our stating a boundary that we then let others repeatedly trample all over. To be of any value at all, they have to be enforced and there have to be consequences that you're prepared to carry through. This also needs to be consistent. Otherwise, it shows you to be weak rather than strong and it completely undermines the whole point of personal boundaries in the first place. It feels like no one is safe then if even those with strong boundaries are still targeted. Well, to be honest, this is where we start to get things wrong, I think. Because if we look at it like that, we're literally handing over power to narcissists that they truly wouldn't have if we didn't give it to them. It's much less about them and much more about us here. The bottom line is, is that if we know ourselves well enough to understand that we deserve and need personal boundaries and then take this forward to work out just where we stand in terms of what is acceptable behaviour to us and what isn't, then all of this stays within our control. I liken it now to almost thinking of it as a a contract with someone. So as a relationship develops, um, I'm already firm in what is acceptable to me and what isn't. Some things will be absolute deal breakers. Some may be less so. I also expect the other person to have their boundaries too. And we should each be open, honest and clear about them. 
Obviously, this is where things go immediately wrong if we're dealing with a covert narcissist. But, you know, where an issue is a deal breaker, i.e. if that thing were to happen, then the relationship ends and we need to stick to that. If something is so very important for us to say it's a deal breaker, then it stays that way. It's about, res it's about respecting and valuing ourselves enough to honour ourselves. This is so very difficult, though, Linda, isn't it? Because we know that, especially with covert, covert narcissists, there'll be all kinds of gaslighting, guilt-tripping, and playing the victim going on, too. Almost definitely, yeah, that's absolutely right. And the minute we try to enforce a boundary, all these things and more will be rolled out. Anything, in fact, for us not to enforce that boundary, and that makes us feel bad about even having a boundary. This is how they're all gradually eroded over time until we have no boundaries worth mentioning at all. They'll project and call us selfish, mean, controlling, and even accuse us of being narcissistic too. All the things that cause us doubt, shame, guilt and confusion. As long as those boundaries are weakened, that's all that matters. We should also be aware that this is happening really subtly from day one in these relationships too. So before we even reach this stage, we find that we water down our boundaries ourselves as a result of conditioning. The love bombing or idealisation stage is full of these messages. How does this look in practice, Linda? Well, this is a whole different podcast, really. But um, our boundaries are sabotaged due to the mirroring that we experience. And this takes us back to the earlier messages about bad or dangerous people uh, and the need for boundaries to protect ourselves. When we're mirrored to the extent that we are, we essentially have our own feelings and values, etc., reflected back to us by a covert narcissist. So much so that we do feel safe. We feel really connected. And we believe the references of, uh, of our having found our soulmate and of being the one. We will hear how they make compromises for us because they love us so much and how compromise is so very important to a successful relationship. Such things are conditioning us to treat them um, and or this relationship differently because it is so special and they are so safe. The result is a gradual lowering of our guard and the removal of our personal boundaries. In malignant cases, this can extend to the desire for us to actually become one and to be totally enmeshed with them. Now, this is truly dangerous because enmeshment is kryptonite to our boundaries and to our sense of self. This is how we lose both over time, little by little and almost imperceptibly. The issue here, of course, is that we're dealing with anything but a safe person. And our boundaries are essential to maintain and to enforce. I can see that. And then people receive accusations when they even try to point out a boundary. And that's really what confuses people, isn't it? The difference between having personal boundaries and controlling people by enforcing them. This is where so many people end up being accused of being narcissistic and then struggle to see how they're not. That's very, very true. Uh, but again, this is an example of mirroring uh, and or projection. This time, they're reflecting back their behaviour and flipping the scenario to make it look as if we're controlling them, when the direct opposite is the case. 
there are very real and distinct differences here that a truly controlling and manipulative person is just using to try to bring you back under control. When we stand back and objectively look at this, it becomes much more clear. The fact is, we don't have personal boundaries to control other people. We have them to respect ourselves and our beliefs and to protect them from those who don't. This is about purpose and intention. We have personal boundaries because that is what healthy people have. Other healthy people accept, understand and respect this. We make them clear to others as a means of ensuring we're involved in a reciprocal and respectful relationship and so that there's clarity in terms of expectations, etc. going forward. We would hope that those boundaries are largely in alignment and so result in a relationship and environment where we do feel safe and valued. We fully expect others to have personal boundaries and we are respectful of them because we respect them as a person and their right to have their own beliefs, feelings and perspectives. We too have that same and equal right to expect to be treated similarly. The issues arise when this is not reciprocal. So let's be clear here. If we find ourselves having to enforce a boundary, it's because it has been disrespected in some way and that is not okay. Now that's on the person disrespecting it, not on us. When we say X will happen if Y is done, it is it's to protect us and something that's very important to us. Otherwise, it wouldn't even be a boundary at all. Boundaries are our personal guardians and gatekeepers that keep harmful behaviours and actions away from us. We are protecting ourselves, not controlling others. Where people are disrespecting our boundaries and then doing all they can to remove them, they're stripping back and weakening our guardians and gatekeepers so that they can no longer offer us protection. This is done with the intention of their controlling and manipulating us, not the other way around. That's really clear when we look at it like that. The whole point of boundaries is to protect and honour ourselves, isn't it? It really has nothing to do with anyone else. Exactly. But when we find ourselves dealing with those with elevated narcissistic traits, they just can't see that. For them, everything is about them. Everything. These are really unhealthy people, primarily focused on themselves, and they will react badly to anyone saying no, or to anything, in fact, that doesn't fit in with whatever it is they want to do at any one given time. They'll be deeply offended by that boundary. They will take it personally. They most likely will view view it all as you controlling them, simply because what they're doing is in some way disrespectful and inappropriate, and you have the gall to call them out on it and to call the whole thing to a halt. That will never be well received. We see people becoming rageful, resentful, mean and cruel when they're the ones who have crossed the line here. There's no coming to terms or accepting responsibility for whatever it is they've done. They'll instead accuse you of controlling them, blah, blah, blah. But let's just think about it for a moment. If the shoe were on the other foot, and if you had inadvertently crossed a boundary and someone pointed that out to you, what would your normal reaction be? 
would you immediately go on the attack and cry victim whilst calling them names? Or would you more likely reflect on what had happened and perhaps apologise for any upset caused whilst also offering explanations from, from your own point of view? Yes, if it were inadvertent or an oversight or whatever, and this was someone you cared about and respected, you'd want to discuss it and put it right, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you would if you were a healthy person. Yes, of course you would. And this is the difference here. These people transgress and cause upset and then automatically blame you for it. (laughs) Um, Especially so if you have the, the audacity to even mention it. I mean, how dare you say that I've done something wrong? And then enter gaslighting, guilt-tripping, blame-shifting and a plate full of word salad to get you off the subject. In the midst of all that, the issue is lost, the boundary is lost and your position is weakened yet again where you're suddenly then left thinking that you're somehow selfish and a narcissist. There's nothing normal or healthy about that. Nothing. So... How can people ever productively have boundaries and reinforce them with someone like this? Honestly, you know, boundaries aren't meant to be something to be compromised on. They're there to protect you and to keep you safe and well, to honour who and what you are and what you stand for. They're about you and yourself. The best way is to enforce your boundaries from day one no matter what the relationship or who is involved in them. Because the sooner this type of behaviour is revealed, the sooner you can then enforce that boundary and you can make your own decision about that relationship. That's by far the best way to keep yourself out of harm's way. A person with elevated narcissistic traits is never going to accept your boundaries. And so meaningful and lasting discussions around them just won't happen. What will happen is that if you don't enforce them, they'll become watered down over time to the point of being non-existent. And that's when you'll find that you've also lost your sense of self too. Of course you have. It's been compromised away in favour of what they want. All the time. The whole point is to respect yourself enough to both both acknowledge and enforce your own boundaries and to realise when someone else doesn't respect them or consequently, doesn't respect you. That's the time to enforce them. And more often than not, the sooner you do that, the better. Just ask yourself, if you aren't going to enforce your own boundaries, who is? The person constantly disrespecting them certainly isn't. They'll just continue doing the same thing over and over. Why wouldn't they? We need to listen to these people and observe their actions because in disrespecting your boundaries, they're very clearly telling you and showing you that they don't see you as a person. They don't recognise your right to own your own thoughts, beliefs and values. They don't respect you. Does this sound like your loving soulmate? I don't think so. This is who this person really is and how they view you. That's really powerful, isn't it? But what about those people, Linda, who haven't really ever had strong boundaries, who then realise that they're in an awful relationship that doesn't recognise them at all? How do they even start to introduce boundaries to it? Well, I'd be really very careful about that. You know, it's difficult enough already 
if we've had some form of boundaries that have been regularly ignored. But if we're in a relationship where we haven't ever really had identifiable boundaries to speak of at all, and then we realise way down the line that it's, a, it's an abusive relationship and that we do need boundaries to help us, I'd really urge caution there. In what way, Linda? Well, quite simply because at that point, we may not know exactly just who it is that we're dealing with here. And we do know that the more narcissistic a person is, the worse the possibility of their reaction to boundaries or to people speaking up for themselves. For a person to have been in a long-term relationship to suddenly try to introduce boundaries and then to try to enforce them means that, as a minimum, they'll meet with plenty of resistance. It most definitely won't go down well. That person also may well need to have help to identify just what boundaries are appropriate for them and to learn how to have them and implement them at all. It isn't at all straightforward if the whole concept is alien to them. So for those people, they might well be advised to discreetly seek support to find safe ways to do that, uh, or even to get out of that relationship, Linda. Yes, I'd definitely advise that. Uh, we've talked about comorbidity, etc. in previous podcasts. Um, but just briefly, these things are rarely purely narcissistic. And we do need to be very careful when dealing with them. So it's always wise just to wear on the side of caution. It's hard to imagine a sudden change in behaviour ever being well received by a person like this. So we really must always be cautious. Thank you, Linda. Is there anything else you'd like to say about boundaries before we close? Yes, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we can be quite blasé about boundaries. People just presume that we know all about them and that we have them and that's it. It's all nice and simple. But hopefully we've seen here that there's a lot more to them than that. And they really are so very important in forming healthy relationships and in helping to identify and then extract ourselves from very unhealthy ones. I thought I had good boundaries. <laughs> I really did. However, I really didn't. Um, they were just absolutely awful. But I didn't know that until I ultimately did my own self-work through therapy. I see in the support group that this is very often the case too, with so many people constantly making exceptions for our closest relationships and in giving people multiple chances purely because they are in such close relationships. But this is the exact opposite to what we should be doing in our closest relationships. And this totally undermines both ourselves and the boundaries that would otherwise serve to protect us against abuse. If we could spend some time to really think about boundaries and where we sit with them, it would be a really good start. My guess is that this would be the precursor to lots of really beneficial work around the whole topic. And then this is where we do finally come to realise that having strong boundaries is really fundamental um, in moving forward in our healing and in moving forward towards more healthy and productive relationships in the future. Well, thank you, Linda, um, for your brilliant insight on this topic. Um, and hopefully that will provide food for thought for those struggling with these, with these issues. And I thank you all uh, once again for listening today. Thank you very much. Thank you.